0: This show is a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. Enjoy the show. Paul and Michael occasionally save the world.
1: Paul and Michael occasionally save the world. Paul and Michael occasionally save the world. Hey Sparky, do you know what day it is today? It's a Saturday. It's That's a true. Day. It's also record store day. Oh,
0: is today the record store day? Dang.
1: Yep, I've never paid attention to it before, but we, I think we talked about this. My mom actually got me a record player out of the blue recently. Yes. One of those kind of, uh, you know, uh, less expensive little suitcase type of deals, but it works. Like I have a working record player and that's pretty cool because I haven't had that in quite a while. And I already know using it just a little bit that it'll be nice someday to get a nice one, but I also got to see that I'm really going to use it first. So this is great to do that with. But so today, I busted it out. I was home with uh my my son was sick. My wife went out to do Easter shopping. And while I was preparing myself some lunch and preparing him no lunch because he didn't want to eat, uh I decided I'm going to bust out this uh this record player and I had so I I bought my first record, a Johnny Cash record. Yeah. And uh the next one I bought I bought because I specifically wanted it and I, I don't want to like overbuy. I want to like do this slowly and enjoy the records I get, you know, and yeah. like make myself savor them before I get more. Cause I don't want it to be just a collecting compulsion. Mm-hmm. I want it to be an enjoying thing, you know? So, uh, but the second one that I got, I actually got cause I was poking around, uh, is buying my wife a CD and I was trying to bump up the, the Amazon cart just enough to, uh, to get free shipping. Yeah. So I thought, what the heck, I'll, I'll look for this record and see if they have it. They did have it, but of course it's from an independent seller, so no shipping deal. Oh. Um, But it turns out that this record I wanted to get is not easy to find now. It's a Sage Francis single hmm. from quite a few years ago now, and this copy was like 13 Though The few others I found were significantly more expensive, and there's not many available. The reason I wanted this single is the song Sea Lion uh, from his A Healthy Distrust album, which is the album that he put out on Epitaph. He was the first rap artist to sign with Epitaph. And uh, this single has the, the regular version of the song, but it also has an extended version that has Saul Williams doing a verse on it. And that is the only way to hear this, is on the record. Oh, it's wow. never been released in a compilation or anything digitally, so, uh, yeah, I, it, it's a great song. I love Saul Williams also. Uh, but what's great about the song, not only so is Sage Francis, Saul Williams on this extended version, it's produced by Alias, who is one of my favorite, uh, underground hip hop producers. Like, all of Sage Francis's stuff, uh, that's produced by Alias is some of the best. And that goes for some other, other artists as well. But what's really cool with this song is, uh, guess who sings The Hook? I have no idea. And this is actually how I discovered this artist. The Hook is sung by Bonnie Prince Billy.
0: Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, one of the first times we started talking about, like, music and stuff, uh, there was a, a, a song that Bonnie Prince Billy had been on.
1: Yeah, it's this song. It's the only one right, he's done in. Right he did it under the name Will Oldham so when i first discovered him i it was on this and i was like oh man this guy you know his contribution was good like he clearly is talented so i was checking out will oldham and there's a little i he has a little bit of stuff released under his proper name rather than his you know right. stage name i guess you'd say yeah. um but his more notable stuff is released as bonnie prince billy so i didn't know that right off the bat and yeah, i mean this was back in the days when the internet is not what it, what it is now so you couldn't look at your phone and say, Hey Siri, who the hell is Will Oldham and find out, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So anyways, I, I busted that record out today. It was pretty dirty. It turned out that the reason the copy was so cheap is it was actually a copy that was used at a radio station. Oh, so Um, lots of play probably. Exactly. Lots of play, but it was, it was dusty and you know, whatever. So the other day I popped into bull moose music and I picked up, they have these little kits for cleaning records. And so I got it, and I cleaned it, and it looked a lot nicer. But then I went to play it, and it was just skipping like crazy. Really bad. So I was, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, oh, man. But I'm, I'm looking at the record. It's not scratched up. So I'm thinking in my head, you know what? I wonder if it's actually the cleaner that I used settled into the groove, and it's given just enough resistance so that I had a little, uh... oh, yeah, I remember this from a decade ago. I guess it's been a long time since I've used a record player. Oh, But yeah. you, You throw a quarter on the, uh, you know, the, the head of the arm of the record player above the needle gives that a little bit extra weight you need. Oh. That's all it took. So I did that and it kind of, you could see as the record was going that it was working up some stuff out of the grooves, some dust and whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it worked. So I was able to listen to that. It was quite pleasant. And, uh, I have gotten one other record since then. And, uh, I got this one because not only is it, um, a group that I particularly like, but it was down to 75% off at, uh, at Bull Moose. So, you know, a new record, and it was only like 7 something It was less than 8 bucks before tax. Uh, but it was The Eels. It was Shoot Nanny, uh, one of their albums that I, I particularly like. So I grabbed that. I haven't listened to that one yet. But that is the beginning of my record collection. It's out of Johnny Cash, Sage Francis, and Eels. Oh, yeah. I can... I can be happy with any of those. Vinyl
0: is expensive, that man. I was listening to a podcast. It's funny uh, you bring it up because I was listening to a podcast, uh, the Mark Marin pod, the WTF podcast. Mark Maron does where he interviews lots of people. He had a guy named I don't know if it's going to be familiar to us. His, his name is T Bone Pickens.
1: I know who he is. Okay. I don't know. Yeah,
0: he did. He, he does a lot of, that, he it. does a lot of, uh, he's a producer. He's mostly known for producing. He does his own independent. He has an album coming out and actually a trilogy of albums he's been working on. And, uh, you know, he works a lot with the Cohen brothers. Uh, he does that. He does, he did the soundtracks for, I think all three of the true detective films, uh, uh, HBO series and, uh, a lot more work. Um, really interesting interview. Really, really interesting interview. Smart guy. Learned a lot from it. But one of the things they got into is like Mark Maron's got into collecting vinyl, and he's got like a big setup. And T Bone Pickens was talking about. They had this long discussion about how much better the audio quality is. And do you can you can you perceive a vast difference with your record player you have when you're listening to it, so- or is it just not a good enough? Because like I have a little record player, but it's not that great of one, so I can't really the sound system is not that
1: good. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's the thing too, is there, there's so many details to how you listen to music and the, the where and the when are a big impact on how anybody listens to music. So I think that, um, you know, for people who are like real for lack of a better term, I think it's kind of a silly term, but audiophiles, you know uh, the people who are really, really into it for, uh, you know, more than just, listening to music or collecting purposes Mm -hmm. like of course they're going to be able to say this is the best and this is why um but for you or me it it depends a lot more on how we listen to it um so my record player is cheap so i mean it definitely is and i like when i was listening to it today i was playing it off of the speakers that are built in which are not the best speakers it does have uh an auxiliary out jack so i can plug it into better speakers but um, I haven't done that. It has a headphone jack too. So I like, I have a couple of Bluetooth speakers around, but they have, you know, the headphone cable also, um, that I could plug in. So if I want it to sound a little better, I could do it that way. Um, but you know, if you're getting into what's the best sound source, how many other factors of how we listen to it are going to dilute the quality? I mean, if you have like a, a proper stereo system, which, I mean, seriously, people who are grown up nowadays don't even know what a proper stereo system is because I only vaguely know what the heck that means where you have the, you know, the, you have like the the head unit and you have the, the the amplifier and you, you know, like the speakers, like I've never, my cell phone, something like that. My parents had that crap because that's all that there was at a time. You yeah, know? I mean, yeah. that's what you had to have. I remember it as being something archaic, but that's the stuff that probably has the best sound quality, right? Yeah, you get good speakers, good blah blah blah, all this different stuff. It all matters. Uh, but I mean, if you're just listening on headphones or on, you know, whatever other kind of speakers or whatever, like that's all going to have an effect too. Everything does. So no. I've thought about that a lot. I mean, as far as just you get down to the core, what provides the best quality sound? I I completely believe when they say it's it's records because the people who are saying that know what they're talking about. So I don't doubt that. So all other things being equal, that would be better sound quality. Now, for me, the whole reason that I'm interested in slowly getting records again is less about sound quality because it's not like I can go out and buy all the music. I want that way. Right. And it's more about slowing down and stopping and engaging with what I'm doing in a more direct way. Um, so when I'm listening to an album, Like today, when I was listening to what I was doing, I mean, I was cooking too, but it wasn't I was listening to music while playing a video game or while driving or while doing anything else like that. Like the the primary thing I was doing was listening to the music and I could do that while cooking without it taking away from it because I wasn't doing any complicated cooking. I was just doing, you know, run of the mill type of stuff. So there's just so many factors. I, I think it really depends on. Um, really what you're looking to get out of it. And I think that's, that's what we lose so much nowadays because everybody is doing everything in a rush, on the run, and overlapping with something else. So I think that's the key, really. Like, if you want to listen to music the best rather than worrying about sound quality, worry about stopping and listening to the music so you can focus on it and then. The people who are going to worry about sound quality are the ones who music is a much bigger focus for them. True, true.
0: Yeah, there's we're in the the generation now where it's like easy just to make a quick playlist on digital, and uh, they went. They, this I learned a lot. I'm not going to bore everybody with it by trying to explain stuff I don't really understand. But they were talking about the how the the pixelation of the music, and when you're doing digital copy of something that's a recorded analog, and how you lose the depth of the sound and all that. But, but for me, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm happy with the way I have it just to have it. Cause most of the time it's either on my, my, uh, my, in the, in my vehicle that I'm riding around in or just headphones or something. So I'm not going to be able to, uh, I, I have been able to notice that there are some recordings that are better that come the way they do it on digital. Uh, I think it has to do with when it was done time wise and, and yeah, and coded. but, uh, one of the, uh, you're talking about the cost of vinyl. One of, uh, one of my favorite artists, he put a memoir out. His name is Jeff Tweedy. from the band Wilco. He put a memoir out, uh, late last year. My wife got me the memoir, uh, for Christmas. And, uh, he also put a solo album, his first really true solo album out, mostly acoustic called Warm. And I and I think it maybe it was associated with a record store Dave. And then I saw the article. I didn't read that closely, but he's putting out a only a vinyl only album called Warmer. He recorded them all at the same time. And it's like ah, uh, do I really? It's like do I really? Just something I'm gonna keep my eye out for. But it's not do I really want to, you know, go out and try to find this? Cause I'm, I'm sure it's the price tag. Cause I'll, I'll go to record stores or places that sell records and the, they're really high. I mean, you're looking like 20 to 30 bucks for an album when you can get it for, you know, $9 for digital or it's already on like a, if you're a subscription service uh, user, you can just have it
1: there at your fingertips, you know. Exactly. That's why I, I think that getting uh, an album on vinyl, it's about, you're like the depth of your love for, for that album. It's not just, Oh, I like listening to this as music, but it's something a little bit bigger than that. Something you want to save or in a different way. Or if you're going to collect it, I mean, collecting CDs now is just silly. I yeah. mean, if you have any kind of service, it's probably silly to collect CDs. Now, I say that, though, but um, like I, I we talked recently about I honestly I don't remember if this is before we split off to our own publishing or not. So maybe this is lost to our new listeners. But I talked about De La Soul and how De La Soul is not in print at all. And to me, like I was shocked by that because De La Soul is is uh, it, it seems too recent for that to be the case. But also they are hugely influential. And De La Soul is absolutely my favorite hip hop group ever yeah love de la soul and uh so i was very disappointed to realize that and then you know i started googling around digging into it and i learned about like the the disputes with tommy boy and stuff like that um so i was kind of shocked because i the whole reason i didn't listen to de la soul for a long time and i kept on wanting to that's the one thing is like i had this yearning to listen to de la soul but uh, iTunes is like dead to me because the program sucks. It runs like crap on your computer. Um, and that's the only way to get stuff from A to B. Mm-hmm. And then I go to hook my phone up to it and it won't recognize my phone. So that pisses me off. Mm-hmm. So I finally, my wife actually still has an iPod. So I borrowed her iPod and put De La Soul on and then it stopped working for me. It turned oh. out I was just being stupid, but still. Um, so I had a few glorious days of listening to De La Soul. I was like, man, I missed this tremendously. So for me, it, I know I can't find it right now. And even if I could, it would be crazy expensive. Um, but I would love to get De La Soul's first four albums on vinyl. And at some point they'll settle up stuff with Tommy Boy and they'll probably reissue those and I will snap them up as soon as I can find them because I won't want to miss the opportunity. Oh, heck yeah. And that's, I, I absolutely like De La Soul just is, uh, as great as so many other, you know, groups or artists are. Like, De La Soul is the, like, the transcendent group for that era of hip-hop for me. And they were really the group that got me to go from listening to the current music that got me into hip-hop to begin with, the underground hip-hop stuff, and got me listening to anything older. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they were, like, you know, late 80s through, like, mid-90s was, was like, their best era for me. Yes. Um but, uh, they were the ones that bridged that gap for me. You know, just like in comics, X-Men bridged that gap for me to go back to reading older comic books because I just couldn't stand them before that. Right. And it took some, some effort. But, but anyways, uh, yeah. So I, I think that, you know, spending the money on vinyl, like you're saying 20 to 30 bucks, that's for a fairly like simple album. There's so much stuff out there that's like 30 to 40 to oh, even yeah. more. It can get crazy expensive. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really about taking your time and getting the thing that you're really going to savor. Not just like, Oh yeah, I like that album. So I'll buy it. Like I, I've been out looking around. Bull Moose will have uh, records for like, you know, 25, 50, 75% off sometimes. And I look through them and I'll be like, Oh, look, it's Ghostface Killa. I've, I, I like, I, I love Wu Tang Enter the 36 chambers, but. I very little listen to anything else by them, some here and there. So like I've had some exposure to it, but I just can't engage with it quite the same as I did with that album. So it's easy to be like, oh yeah, that would be a good record to get. Ghostface Kill is influential, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's not right. You know, it would be me spending money to spend money at that point. Like I got the eels because And Which which album did you get? Shoot Nanny. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I love the Eels. The Eels was actually a group that my wife got me into when we started dating that kind of expanded my exposure to rock music. Because when I got into underground hip-hop, I realized – before I got into underground hip-hop, I got really into punk and ska to an extent, like as a kind of high school, a little bit out of high school age. But I pretty quickly tapped out on the stuff that I thought was too good. And I was digging for other stuff and wasn't really finding it. And then when I discovered underground hip-hop, it was just like opening the floodgates of of my love for music. Because I found so many things that I love so much more. So, I never really got into rock music. And I still like – I know that rock music isn't my number one attraction in general. But she exposed me to, to the Eels. Um, she also exposed me to Radiohead. Which Radiohead's a group that I, I like because I know that I should like them, so I can sit there and figure out why I should like them, you know? And then once I do, I'm like, okay, yes, that's good, but it's work to listen to in a way. Not in a bad way necessarily, but, uh, but Eels, like I just, there's something about the songwriting and style of Mark Oliver Everett that is, uh, something else. And what's interesting to me about the Eels too is, Um, he's the only core part of the, of the group. Everybody else is coming and going. It's like him performing with other musicians, essentially. So it's, it's basically him, you know, he is Mr. E. Um, yeah. And we, so my my wife loved them. And then we started, you know, we started dating. She got me listening to them some, then she showed me a song that is still like the song that is, you know, like the song of us falling in love. And that's, um, um, fresh Feeling from yeah, the album Souljacker. Yeah. And uh, then one year for Valentine's Day, uh, they were actually having a concert. Um, I, I really should say he. Mark Oliver Everett was having a concert down in Hollywood. And I got us tickets. And uh, it was all kind of a funny circumstance, too. Um, she was unavailable to work on the day that... Valentine's Day ended up being, but her manager ended up scheduling her to work to open, even though she was unavailable, just because other people asked for it off. And it's like, we had made plans. There was no reason for her to ask for it off. She was unavailable. So it's kind of like, you know, what the hell is wrong with you? So she ended up working the shift and she was tired because of that. So that kind of put a little bit of a damper on stuff, but the, the concert was really interesting because they actually started out by showing a documentary about Mark Oliver Everett's dad who was the physicist who created the theory of parallel universes. Yeah. And so it was about him and his relationship with his dad growing up. That was, you know, basically non-existent. Uh, but the, the show was just awesome. He's telling stories and he'd perform a song. A lot of it was just like him doing it solo and then he'd have another musician come out and they would, you know, play the drums or something and then they would switch around. So like they were bouncing around between instruments. I don't think he ever performed with more than one other musician um, for any of the songs, but anyway, so going off on a a tangent there, but, uh, so that's why, you know, getting an Eels record up to a certain point is something that for me, that's a more special record. And that's, you know, even though it it may not be my favorite Eels record, it has personal value to you. Exactly. Uh, more
0: So than just collecting it because it's something you, it, it has actual connection to something in your past. And, uh, yeah, that's, see, that's special about it. That's, that's, you don't want to go off the deep end and just start buying every album that comes out that has no meaning to you just because you want to have it. Kind of like we, what we've talked about with everything we, because we, I'm, I'm obsessive like that. I can do the same thing when it comes to books or CDs or music or comics or whatever. I, I can jump off the deep end, but my first introduction to Mark Oliver Everett or E or Mr. E was in some really bad, uh, really bad uh movie from the uh i guess it's the early 90s i can't even remember the name of it it had uh uh what was the name of the song now i just blanked um it's a beautiful world he says i won't say the other stuff he says but it's a, like a really beautiful song but he it's a beautiful world
1: you know the one i'm talking about you, yeah um I'm trying. I'm trying to think of the movie you're talking about. Is it a like bad movie? Like it was a crappy movie?
0: It's just like a, a teenage high school road trip movie or some kind. I can't was think. it Freddy Got Fingered? No, it wasn't that. Was it? It was no. Was it was, he did he have a song on that soundtrack? I don't remember.
1: I th- I think he did. You know, I know the one you're talking about. But yeah, they had some. They had some uh, songs on awful soundtracks, but they had some good ones too. Like uh, they, uh, they actually had a song on a Shrek movie. And I like that to me, that that catches my attention. You may think Shrek big deal, but yeah. um Shrek actually had a Tom Waits song on I think it was Shrek the second track movie, had a Tom Waits song in the soundtrack that was just like fantastic and it fit the scene they used so well too. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh god, I can't believe I can't remember the, the, the one in Shrek was My Beloved Monster, which is a great song. Yeah. And the one I'm thinking of is the same kind of thing. It's just like a really kind of a slow down slow down song. is just beautiful. And that made me just kind of dive into like, what can I find? So I got beautiful freak electroshock blues, daisies of the galaxy, soul Jacker, shoot nanny. And that's kind of where I, I think I got blinking lights in the, and the, what's the name of it? Blinking lights and the other revelations. I think that's kind of where I fell mm-hmm. off in the mid two thousands.
1: And so it was funny blinking lights. That was right. The time that I got into the eels. And I remember, um, because we worked. My wife and I worked with another guy at that time that was a big Eels fan, and he actually made me a CD of a mix of Eels songs. Mm-hmm. And I never listened to the damn thing. <laughs> but then shortly thereafter, I started dating my wife, and that's when I got into the Eels. But I remember talking to him and him being like, "Yeah, Blinking Lights." It's like you know, Mark L. Oliver discovered Jesus. Um, but Blinking Lights, I actually um, it it took a little bit longer. But Blinking Lights has some of my absolute favorite songs. So that's that's kind of, I think, the cutoff for most people. But, like, I engaged with that album. I have not engaged with anything after that album in the same way as that or before. Let's see. He put out
0: Blinking Lights and Other Revelations in 2005. Oh, I listened to Ombre Loco, 2009. Ombre Lobo, yeah. Lobo, yeah.
1: I listened to it some and I, it was okay, but it just did not have the same magic. And then everything after that just is more and more off track, it feels like. I, you know, the hard thing is, is to really engage with, uh, with his music, though, is you have to really listen to it and get into it. Oh, yeah. It. Yeah. And you can't, you can't listen to an album and be like, okay, where's the song that's going to engage me? And then, you know, you're not going to get it that way. So you have to take the time and trust the album. The problem is, is uh he kind of lost my trust before <laughs> a lot of the stuff he's put out because I just felt like he put out a lot of weak albums mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, he's put out, uh, God, he put two out in 2010, End Times, Tomorrow Morning, Know Nothing About Those, Wonderful, Glorious, 2013. In 2014, he put out Cautionary Tales of Mark Oliver Everett. That sounds interesting. And then last year, he put out the deconstruction, and I have no... I am kind of want to go check them out, if I can find them, without committing to actually buying them through Spotify or Amazon Music or something like that.
1: Uh, Yeah, they're all on Spotify. I know that. Yeah. That shows you my my fervor for the newer stuff, too, is that I still haven't listened to it, and it's not like it would cost me anything to listen to it.
0: But I loved it. I loved... I was in that... It's the same time period that grabbed you, that grabbed me. I, I loved... What he was doing. Uh, I even had a DVD of like a live concert that he did. And he's, I think he's walking around with a cane at the time. Just his whole, like he was pretty himself, he's dressing like he's this old college professor or something at the time. It's just kind of like he's a, <laughs> he's like a proto hipster <laughs> before hipsters were a thing. Uh, yeah. So we just went off on a long tangent about, uh, eels, which I love. But, uh, today's Saturday. Uh, when, when we're recording this, it's the day before, and I know you're, I'm pretty sure you're not going to have any interest in this, it's the day before the release of the first episode of Game of Thrones, the final season, and it's the day after the Star Wars Episode Nine title and and uh, teaser trailer was released. And uh, I have not outlet to talk with this about Dave because, I mean, I came home just to make my wife watch it on TV. <laughs> it, it, it was so exciting, <laughs> but I found this little thing on a. It happened right before uh, we were going to start recording. I was, I'd looked at Twitter and somebody had uh did this tweet to Mark Hamill,
1: and it's this guy. So hold on, let me let me pause here real quick before because I know where you're going with this. Before we get into this, because I had to look this up while we were talking. Uh The the movie that was about like a teenage road trip. Yeah. It was road trip. The movie was called Road well, Trip, okay. and we can remember it. <laughs> so I,
0: I was I was Rod, right, even though I didn't know it. It just, I just it, it
1: was awful, and it was Tom Green, which is why I was thinking of Freddie Got Fingered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: so, uh, well, I said I wasn't going to talk about the, the the trailer to Star Wars. I will say this: it. And we talked last time about how trailers, you know, don't really do anything because. You know, they're hit or miss. They don't, they can be misleading and they might just, uh, have nothing in it at all or whatever. It does, it's not really a true reflection of the movie. It it can either, um, show you too much to where you, all the funny moments in the movie are in the trailer and that's the, all they had to share or, or it's just, uh, just going to make you want to watch a movie that's not good at all. (laughs) <laughs> but I've jokingly told my cousin Steve and Dave yesterday after watching the trailer five times that uh, I don't even need the movie. After watching that trailer, I have already made the perfect movie in my head and I'm I'm satisfied with everything. That's how good the trailer was for me.
1: Um, so I I actually watched the trailer, which is a rare thing for me, but I knew it was out there because, of course, like as soon as it was, everybody was talking about it. But my cousin Mike texted me and said, hey, did you see the new trailer? And I I responded to him. No, was it any good? Which you know I know obviously everybody who's a Star Wars fan is uh, is going nuts about it. Um, no, as you not, know, that's not I, always
0: the case though. Because if you know well, anything about Star Wars fans, they are uh, they're a pretty lousy bunch sometimes.
1: <laughs> I should say the Star Wars fans that I know that are sensible fans of things and Thank they you. get excited about their fandom.
0: Well, I'll take that. Um, as a, I'll take that as a compliment. You just called me sensible.
1: Yeah. That's how it should be. If you're a fan of something, you should be excited and not be a jerk when right. there's, you know, uh, something you could dig up a reason for. But anyway, so I, I was trolling him a little bit, but I said, you know what? I'll, I'll watch it. Now, and I, I've told you, I have finally just come to accept that I am not a Star Wars fan. I can wild. appreciate what is done. I, I, you know, I've watched the first movies. There's things I can appreciate, but it's just not something I'm a fan of. Uh, I fell asleep during episode eight. I, I granted I was watching it late at night and I shouldn't have bothered renting it because I had too much going on. I was trying to cram it in, but I fell asleep during it. Um, I haven't watched solo yet, haven't even tried. Um, because I just, I, I don't have that level of interest. And I should try to go back and watch those things, but seeing the preview for episode nine actually made me excited to see it
0: there's just something about it. That first opening scene where you hear the heavy breathing and you see Ray out there in the middle of this desert landscape. And it's like, what the heck's happening? And here comes a, a tie fighter and she pulls off, which I hope is a awesome move. Uh, and then it skips into some other things. And then it's revealed later that there's some laughter at the end. And that ends up being the emperor Palpatine laugh- laughing. He's actually, uh, and I don't understand this, and this is where all the Star Wars nerds are going to be scratching their heads for the next several months is trying to figure out every little tiny piece of every little tiny trailer that comes out, what the heck is going on, because uh, there's lots of questions presented there, but it's just awesome. It's just, uh, for a trailer, that's really good.
1: Yeah, you know, part, part, part of what interested me about it is, uh, you know, of course, like in anything like this, you go along with a protagonist, right? Like, you want a protagonist that you can root for. Um, and I don't, I don't know a ton about Ray. I mean, I watched episode seven, whatever the hell that was called. Um, and I mean, the movie doesn't stick in my head great, but she uh, she was like the highlight of the movie. And then, of course, you have all this, uh, very obnoxious fan uprising about it being about a, a woman. It's ridiculous, you know. Yeah. Um, but now it's like you know I, I look back at uh, other things I've experienced over the last handful of years. Like my favorite DC movie in the you know in this whatever you want to call it the new universe of movies or whatever was was Wonder Woman. Like I thought Wonder Woman was great. Like Wonder Woman is the first character out of all of the the major characters that I want to root for. Um, like I. Superman whatever you know Batman I just can't like Ben Affleck mm-hmm. um, it just nobody else makes me want to care about them and I think that's what's kind of missing in the DC universe as far as as I feel at least is they're not making you want to like the characters except like Wonder Woman was the first one that's like you want to like her mm-hmm. you know and then um, in the the Marvel movie universe I' liked I've at least enjoyed all the Marvel movies and some I've liked more than others, but like I just saw Captain Marvel and I absolutely loved it Mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. And part of the reason is that I absolutely want to love Captain Marvel, the, you know, the character I want to root for her. Yeah. Um, and that's been the case with a lot of, you know, I love a lot of the characters in the Marvel universe movies. Um, but watching this preview, I was like, this is really. You know, pretty badass, and I like I I want to follow what happens with Ray now. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, before is whatever. I don't care about the the Star Wars mythos in particular or anything, but um, that what was it called? The Last Jedi or the yeah, The Last
0: Jedi was the yeah. episode of eight, and then the the other one was Force Awakens. And you mentioned something about you don't know much about Ray. That's the entire driving force to me about these three movies is no one knows anything about her there that she's like an open mystery there she that she doesn't know her own past which is really weird except she she had this feeling this connection to the force and all that to where and, and she's kind of an underdog in the fact that she doesn't know what she's doing or what's happening at all. She, she was just basically scrapping out a living on this planet, salvaging stuff just to get enough money to buy food. And next thing you know, she's wrapped up in all this adventure. So to me, she is the core of these three movies. And then there's a lot of other, you know, hoopla going on around her with all this other stuff. But the question of what is going to happen to her is really yeah. the, the main line for all. Three movies, I think, is gonna.
1: Yeah, and the pre the preview sets you up to like you. It looks like she's gonna reach her full potential, right? Like, oh yeah. It- and that's the thing is, whenever you watch any movie, like action movies, you want to see the person with skill use their skill, right? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Captain Marvel being the most recent one I've seen you want to see Carol Danvers go full Captain Marvel, have no bounds, and see what she could do. Like, that is the big reward at the end of the movie. So, you know, with Star Wars, they just make you watch three movies over the course of three years to finally get the payoff, I guess. I don't know. That's pretty much uh, it.
0: That's pretty much it because, (laughs) yeah, because she's she's not, she's like starting to, the first two movies, she's just kind of discovering what the heck she's capable of. I'm pretty sure this last one she's going to, you're going to get the payoff of, of, of the patience for people watching to see what it is she can accomplish. But, uh, the, the funny thing is that the, maybe even bring it up really was like, I said, I opened up Twitter and I saw this thing that some guy sent a message to, uh, or a tweet directed to Mark Hamill said, do you want to take care of this guy? And I'm like, well, what the heck's this? And the guy's name, he did a thread. And I had to, I had to read it because it's addictive and it might not be funny to anybody else, but I'm going to, I'm going to kind of share it with you. Um, the guy, his tag name or whatever you call it is Mr. Plenty. I'm not going to give his actual, uh his ad thing. And he said, never seen Star Wars. None of them never will. And then there's quotation marks of somebody saying to him, oh my God, you're missing out. And he says, maybe you're missing out on being a multimillionaire. Keep your movie. And then below that, there's a picture of this guy standing next to a Bentley. Next tweet, not your car, he says. And so I guess somebody said that. To me. He said, it has my name plate. It has my last name, Tate T8 on the number plate. Too much Star Wars makes you dumb. He didn't stop there. <laughs> Guys, I have more cars that I can stand next to. If you want to learn how to make money online in between watching Dork Wars, go to, I'm not going to promote his website. Then he goes on. Everyone who's ever watched Star Wars in human history is absolutely dirt poor. No exceptions. Only I can save you. I teach you how to make money online here. And again, I'm not going to promote him. Then he has pictures of him with women. He's on a boat. And there's some other lady at a desk and then him on a, another boat. And then he said, uh, even watching a Star Wars trailer may leave you homeless on the street with AIDS. Well, that's harsh. I hadn't read that far. Only I have the path to absolute financial freedom. Do not follow the Jedi. And then there's a picture of Jesus at the bottom. And uh, then he goes, women hate you. They hate you because you watch Star Wars. I can correct this. My PhD program teaches you how to get unlimited women. Read the reviews yourself with another link. Uh, has a girl ever tattoo, t- tattooed her name on you? No, it's because you watch Star Wars. Luckily, I teach you the secrets to the female mind. Not only how to get them, but how to make them do anything you say. And then it go- I'm not gonna even go any farther because he just he's talking about how he can help you make piles of money. It makes me think of the commercials with the guy that like, I can make you rich if you just follow my program and you can have this big boat. And he just keeps going on. Oh God, it's like twenty tweets. <laughs> that cracked me up. <laughs> and I'm every day yep. millions of dollars should be deposited into your bank account. They never make it because you've watched Star Wars. <laughs> I told you before I wanted to show you the ultimate in Star Wars hate. This is the best example of uh, Star Wars hate I've ever seen. And I don't know if this is a joke. I think he's serious because he keeps posting a link, and I think he just wants your money.
1: Yeah, no, he's he's not serious. He's He's trolling a big group of fans for attention because... I, I don't know, like, I'm guessing what'll, what'll happen is people get angry, they respond, they retweet because they want to show other people how stupid this is. hmm He builds up all these, you know, retweets and stuff like that, whatever, he spreads his tentacles out and then can use it in other ways, I don't know. That's that's just, uh, I don't know, That's that's kind of hilarious and disgusting at the same time. <laughs> it, it really
0: is, because, uh... I'm not even joking. I'm just scrolling down, and I think it hit like forty or more, forty or more tweets of the same in the same vein. And he's promoting this, uh, this website. It's a. I'm not going to click on it. He's like selling. It's a 24 hour sale on secret video courses on how to make lots of money.
1: Yeah, uh, I bet you. I bet you click on that website and you get a virus, and then he gets all your info. Oh yeah, hey, sure. that sounds like all he's trying to do. Yeah,
0: my wife uh, clicked on something earlier. Uh, was it today or yesterday? Or actually, it's like a phone number that was put on Facebook. Call this number, and it's like a Holland Oats uh, helpline. And you call it, and you select an option, and you listen. This, it plays a hollow Oats song, and I'm like, song, and I'm like, you know what? You just did. You just gave your phone number to some people that are going to start robo calling you like crazy.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, it's fun stuff. That, but that at least was you had to
1: listen to Hall and Oates song.
0: Well, yeah, you can't go wrong there,
1: I guess. <laughs>
0: so I, I got another question. Um, since I, you let me, uh, you allowed me to uh, exercise a little bit of my uh, Star Wars nerdiness. And, uh, my cousin Dave right now is still up in Chicago at C2, not C2E2. He's at a Star Wars Celebration, that same place that did C2E2 a a week or two ago. And, uh, you posted something the other day and you ate something that I've never been able to try. Sardines. (laughs) And I really... I really need somebody that I trust and respect to walk me through why you decided to do this, and what was the experience like.
1: Well, the the why is I had talked about this a little bit before, but I'm I'm getting very uh, dietarily challenged. I can't eat a lot of stuff, and it's really uh, getting difficult but the it creates good challenges because like so the most recent thing that I'm starting to phase out because I knew it was something I needed to do, but I also knew it would be one of the hardest things to do, and that is phasing out dairy because mm-hmm. I'm pretty positive dairy's a, a a more severe problem for me than just it's not just lactose intolerance or something like that and I'm seeing the results since I've been phasing it out i've uh I've dropped down almost another ten pounds without trying really. Just be, and it's not about losing fat. It's about losing weight from my body retaining, uh, you know, basically bloating and stuff like that. That's yeah. Anybody who who thinks that they may be eating something that their body doesn't like, if you stop eating it and you see that you drop weight quickly, you're not losing fat quickly because that doesn't happen. You're losing your body retaining other stuff because it's having a reaction and inflammation to what you're eating. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyways, like I'm just – I'm running out of food to eat. I got to figure out other things to eat and I really got to get outside the box because it's down to the point where it's not just about what I like or don't like. Like, you know, you, you talk to people about eating or not eating stuff and, oh, I could not eat cheese. I love cheese too much. Right. It ain't about love anymore. It's about I get to the point where I – like my body is craving something. I don't know what the hell it's craving but I, I need something. You know, and it's, you know, people think so narrow-mindedly on these certain tracks, protein and, you know, vitamins. There's so much more than just protein and vitamins. Like, you need fat in your diet. Yeah. So, yeah. with anchovy or not anchovies, what are we talking about? Uh Sardines. Sardines, yeah. Yeah. Anchovies are a little bit on my mind, too. But with sardines, I think the, the first seed was planted uh by our friend Martin, who... He has been going keto right a few of our other friends have but the thing with Martin is uh, he uh, is he goes real not overboard but like real like when he tries something he dives in really hard. yeah and he does it like it, it's not that he he like dives in too hard but then he just like he he learns about it he mm-hmm. executes mm-hmm. it. But he man, he goes for it when he does. He something. does his that, research. Just,
0: yeah. He goes he researches it and finds out every possible option there is and he chooses what he's gonna do and then he he follows it,
1: yeah. Yep. He he is impressive with his tenacity and the stuff that he does. Um So anyway, so he he had tweeted something about sardines at some point, so I was considering it, and then what happened is my wife and I were in Trader Joe's one day, and we hadn't been in there in a while, and we're shopping around, and for me, I hadn't been in Trader Joe's since I've had to drastically change my diet, now I'm looking at I can't eat gluten, that's the easy part, that's so easy, uh, compared to I can't eat onion, I can't eat garlic, I can't eat dairy, yeah. Um, let alone some other stuff like you it, it's so easy to not eat gluten, but then you try to go and look for something that that that's something you want that tastes good and it can't have garlic powder or onion powder in it, yeah, and guess what yeah. if it says spices, you can't have it, yeah, because spices include this stuff that I can't have, oh. and almost everything has that on there um so I'm looking around and uh, and then my wife mentions tuna, so I go grab a couple cans of tuna and right there. Right there are the sardines. And I look at the sardines. I'm like, you bastards. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I grab one of those cans of sardines. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to buy one. So I buy it. I take it home. And I'm like, I'm, I'm looking on my phone. One of the things that terrifies me is that I'm going to open this can of sardines and there's going to be fish eyes looking up at me. I'm like, I don't know if I can handle that, right? So... So I'm looking and I'm I'm googling, you know, how do you eat sardines? And you know, I ask Mark how he does. He says he just throws them on salad. So I'm like, okay, well, it can't be too bad, right? So right. Uh, one day I'm I'm going to work and um, I was bad and didn't pack my lunch ahead of time. So in the morning I'm just trying to throw crap in my lunch bag, and um, I don't have any of those. You, you can buy those packs of tuna at the store. Where you just tear it open, right? Yeah. Well, I, I don't have any of those, so uh, and I didn't prepare a can of tuna, which just means opening it and draining it. But that's it doesn't take a second to do that. It takes a couple minutes to do that, and I literally just got to walk out the door. So I look at the can of sardines, I say, "What the hell?" and I throw it in my bag and I go to work. And uh, this day at work, I have training to do uh, on the computer. So I'm like, "Okay, getting ready for my training is right around lunchtime." So I get all my stuff. And I got the can of sardines and I have it sitting there and it's still sealed. I'm just looking at it I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. I'm just, I'm really anxious about this. And I peel it open. You know, and you know, it's sardine cancer. Like everybody's seen on, yeah, on the yeah, cartoons. Yeah. You like, you turn that key and it peels it open, right? Right. So I turn that key and I peel it open. So I look in it and oh my God, there's whole freaking fish in there. Right. Oh yeah. my God. That's
0: the thing. That's the thing to me always has been. That's it.
1: So, I'm, 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 I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, okay. I can mind over manner this, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm very mind over manner. Uh, my, I can't even talk. Mind over matter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I was actually just talking about this with my wife tonight. The first time we came to Maine, I, that was the first time I met her whole family. Cause, uh, you know, we lived in California. That's where I grew up. She met me out there. We came to Maine for her little brother's wedding. I'm meeting her whole family. So, uh, you know, of course I'm getting tested with everything. Like, oh, here, try Moxie. Uh, what everything the is- they can throw at wait, me. Wait, that-
0: what's, what's Moxie? Uh,
1: okay. Put a pin in that. We'll get to that after starting oh, Okay. Okay. So then, uh, you know, we go to have lobster and I, I've never had lo- I mean, I never had lobster period, but I certainly never had a whole lobster. So we go to get lobster one of the days that I'm out here and it's like a whole damn lobster and you got to rip this animal apart and <laughs> squeeze its meat out and stuff. So I'm like, you know, of course I want to experience it because I'm not paying for it. And what's right. my next chance going to be? So I'm going to experience it. But I also, I got to show my medal, right? Like I can't wuss out at anything. So you know, you you eat lot. Have you had a lobster? Have you had a whole lobster? <laughs> no. Like where you're rip rip. Oh no, I have not. So you're ripping the sucker apart, and, you know, I'm I'm being vulnerable. I'm asking, how do I do this? Like, you know, where am I looking for the meat and stuff? Because I've never done it before. They know that. Um, so I'm not acting like a know-it-all by any means. But, you like, you're ripping stuff open, you get to the certain part, and there's all this green stuff. All that oh. green stuff is all the crap that was in their digestive system. Yeah. And uh it's gross, but, you know, whatever. You just pff, wipe the green stuff out of the way, or you can even eat it, you know? It's like right, right. kind of depends on, on what you can do. So I'm going whole hog at this sucker. And, um, we were there with, uh, with one of my brother-in-law's in-laws, uh, his, his, you know, mother-in-law yeah. and father-in-law and er, the, the father-in-law is just ripping a lobster. The mother-in-law looks like she's going to vomit. Um, it's just, so I'm like, you know, okay, I did that with a lobster. Like I can mind over manner this the sardine. Right. Mm-hmm. So I go, okay. I opened the can the rest of the way and it's just like they chop the head off. They chop the tail off basically, but you got the whole rest of the fish. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I could do this. So I have, you know, my knife and my fork and I I cut it open, but like all the insides are still there and you can see that they're insides. Right. So I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know if I could do this. I put it on a cracker and I eat it. The thing is it doesn't taste bad. It doesn't smell bad. Like it's a little bit fishier than tuna, but it's not Uh bad. Okay. So, for me, it's 100% the visual. Yeah. So, just don't look at so it. It was so hard. And it didn't get easier. It did not get easier. Finally, what I did was, without looking, I just stuck my fork in and kind of slawed the whole thing up. Yeah. And then I was scooping it with crackers, and I would not look at what I was scooping. Because when you'd look, you'd see something like, you know, a little organ or something like that <laughs> sitting there, you know? it's Yeah. It, it, was, it was rough, and it was difficult. But then, you know, I told my wife about it, because I, I texted her. I texted her a picture and she texted back, eat it, eat it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So, uh, but, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's obviously conscious of everything that I'm going through. And, yeah. uh, it's not just, uh, doing it to do it. I'm not doing it as a diet to lose weight or some, no. something like that. That not that there's yeah. anything necessarily wrong with that, but there's a big difference between like, I'm changing what I eat for this reason or that reason. And being like, I'm changing what I eat because I can't eat these things. Cause they literally make me sick. You're trying to find and, nourish,
0: you're f- trying to find nourishment that will keep you healthy and that you can eat and enjoy at the same time.
1: Not even necessarily enjoy. <laughs> no,
0: just, just to eat, just to eat.
1: Yeah. That, that, that's a whole another conversation, but yeah. So like trying to find stuff and that, that's what's, it's always good to talk to people who are doing the same thing. So like, When I got them, I I sent Martin a message and was like, what do I do? How do I eat these things? Because he's doing the same thing. He's not doing keto just for the hell of it. Like, he's doing it for health reasons, you know? So, like, he's trying to figure out the best way to do these things. That's the way you learn the best is really by talking to people and by seeing what works and what doesn't work. And not just on a black and white, this can or cannot happen, but on a an emotional level to an extent, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, so she's, uh you know, we're texting while I'm doing all this stuff. And she's, I, I tell her, she's like, just plug your nose and eat it. I'm like, uh it's not really the smell. It's not really the taste. It's the visual. So she starts looking into how to make it into a pate. Oh, so right. then the other day I'm coming home from work and she asked me to pick up a few things. And one of the things she asked me to pick up is a lemon because she wants to make something. I get the lemon, come home, give it to her, Whatever. And then uh, I, don't, I don't remember if it was that same day or if it was the next day, but I realized that she had a couple cans of sardines sitting there. I'm like, you bought sardines, damn you. <laughs> and I know it's because she she wants to make the, the pate, but the thing is, like, I know when she makes that, I'll be able to eat it. But so today we were talking about it and uh, like sardines have like no mercury in them, which is a concern yeah. with eating fish because – they, they feed like just off of I forget what she told me like plankton or something like that so they're not getting all that mercury um, so that's one of the pluses but you get a lot of other benefits that aren't necessarily in other fish so there's a lot more health benefits to eating sardines potentially because so I, I realized uh, you know I looked at the cows like oh 17 grams of protein there's a lot of protein in the sardines of course I know they have Omega-3 fatty acids, and that's important. And I'm definitely recognizing in myself as I eliminate all these things from what I can eat, and I'm trying to replace them, that getting fat in your diet is very important. So I'm like, okay, this is a good source of that. Then I look at at a packet of tuna. I'm like, well, this has 17 grams of protein. Like, why should I even try with the sardines? But then she kept on pushing me. It was like, you know, well, it's more than just that. So, uh, it's, it's really good. I gotta say, it's a blessing to have, a, a spouse that, um, you know, is looking out for more than just, uh, the basic things and, you know, is looking how to help you find things that maybe you might even be reluctant to, uh, to try or to do because it it will be helpful for you. Um, but, you know, with all that, like I'm struggling through all this stuff and I gotta say, I miss cheese right now. And you know, cheese was kind of one of my go that's why I delayed getting off of dairy for a while is because cheese was one of my go-to when I needed something that would satisfy that need for fat but also like the the flavor you know the need for flavor and um taking that away is definitely a little bit harder than some other things. but on top of that, if I'm not having dairy, there's not much candy I can eat now. So all the candy that I liked I can't have anymore. So, you know, the things that were the kind of vices or the, you know, comfort things are gone. That's, uh, makes it kind of difficult, but, um, you know, getting the other foods in there that replace the, the cravings and satisfy the needs makes a big difference. Um, but then it's just like, it's crazy to me that I'm not doing anything special. It's not like I'm eating less food I'm eating, um, but then I, you know, I keep going and weighing myself and I'm like, I'm just a hair away from dropping below 200 pounds, which I've done twice in this process of figuring out health problems and stuff like that. But it's just been this, you know, it's gone all over the place. Like I've gotten down as low as 194 pounds, I want to say. Yeah. And then just with, you know, the the hell that life can cause, I've shot back up to 225. Yeah, and, yeah. like, man, when you're carrying 30 pounds you're not meant to have, it makes a big difference on you.
0: Well, stress can do that to you, too. Yeah, just, just have the effects of stress can make you carry extra weight.
1: But anyway, so, uh, so do you have any uh, more sardine questions before I tell you about Moxie?
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. Aside from the fact, and this has always been my biggest hang-up, First, I'll tell a quick story. My only experience with sardines is this. I had a friend when I was a little kid in like el- elementary school, like 6th, 7th grade. And uh, uh, he'd come over to my house some some days after school. I'd go over to his house some days after school. And uh, I, I'm, I'm living in a trailer, and uh, we're eating like a hammer helper. And, uh, you know, pimento cheese sandwiches and uh, bologna sandwiches and stuff like that. And we, I go over to his house one day, and uh, his sister, he had two older sisters. His name was Jeff. Uh, I'm not going to say his last name. I don't want to embarrass him because I doubt I'll ever get back to him. But he had a very unique last name. So uh, his sister's eating a can of sardines. And I'd never even heard of a sardine. But I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, my God. What the heck is that? And he says, are there more? And she says, no, this is the last can. And he immediately broke into tears. <laughs> this huge fit. And I'm looking at him like, dude, why are you, why are you crying over this? And she's like eating them and taunting him. And then his mom walks in the room and it turned into a big deal. And I'm like, and that is my only experience with sardines is that. So I'm kind of like looking at it. I know what they look like, but the question is, if this little kid was crying and throwing a fit over his sister eating the last can of sardines, what was the, aside from the the hang-up about what it looks like, what flavor, can you describe what it tastes like to me so I can maybe, I mean, I'm adventurous. I mean, I I like to try things.
1: It tastes like fish.
0: Just kinda just fish.
1: Salty yeah, it's, or Yeah, probably kinda salty. Um it's it has more flavor than tuna. A little more like you know how with fish, you know, there's the fish that like almost have no flavor, and that's what a lot of people go for because they want to eat mm-hmm. quote healthy and but they, they don't really want to eat fish. Um it has a little more fishy flavor. Um I'm not well-versed in fish, so I don't know what else to compare it to because I've never been a big fan of fish. Um, but it has, has a little more flavor than, like, tuna does. Um, but it just – I think it goes to show you how much of a, a learned behavior things can be. The aversion yeah. is a learned behavior that you should think things are gross. And the uh, – I, I would assume that those kids – you know <laughs> propping that taste up as something great like that had to have been something that was taught to them
0: oh definitely yeah yeah cuz
1: i mean there's it, that's not one thing that's always really interesting and it really only happens when you're a kid where you go to somebody else's house and it's like you're immersed in what their family is because as an adult if you go to other people's house they try to hide all the weird stuff from you right like anything that's odd they probably aren't really showcasing right but as yeah. a kid, they just, they're, they're being themselves completely. Hmm. And uh, so you don't really see that when you get to be an adult, but um, I, I, that's, yeah, that, that's funny. Um,
0: so I, I might, uh, I might, that might be something I, we try my wife and I, cause she's, she's adventurous with food and stuff. And I don't know if she's ever had them or not. She loves tuna. Um, that's another one of those things, and I, I, it goes back to be, being a kid, where I don't like that. Um, mm. I might well, try that. Let me put Just it this moxie, way: though oh, there,
1: there, there's there's zero reason why you can't open a can of sardines, pick one up, put that some bitch in your mouth, and eat it. Okay. So think about who you could do that around that you would enjoy the hell out of doing it. <laughs> I've got a list of about five people on the yeah. that come to mind. So when yeah. when you're thinking about it, like yes, of course, uh it is an aversion that you yourself have to get over to be able to do, but if you open a can of sardines and you're just with yourself and then you're saying this this looks gross to me and I I don't know if I could do this yeah, you're you're fighting with yourself. But if you're there with um I don't know. Say, say Dave, for example. I have no idea if he has any kind of of these kind of aversions, but if you could (laughs) pull out a can of sardines, look Dave in the face, open them up, pull one out and throw that sucker (laughs) in your mouth and eat it and watch him, you know, get all queasy and stuff, wouldn't you enjoy that? (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. You didn't challenge me, but challenge accepted. I'm, I'm, I'm,
1: yeah. I did it. <laughs> if I can do it, I'm going to try it just for the fun of it. You got to oh, do it. God. You better have a good story for me when you do it. So Moxie is, uh, Moxie is like the first soda. Um, it was, uh, you know, it goes back to when like soda was medicinal and stuff like that, but it's really still only around. Um, I mean, it may just be in Maine. Um, in Lisbon, Maine, they actually have the Moxie festival once a year still. Uh, do you remember that Stephen King book that they made a series out of on, on Hulu? Uh, I forget the name of it, but it was a date.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, The one about uh the uh, uh, something sixty three about
1: uh yeah the Kennedy assassination, Kennedy right?
0: assassination, yeah,
1: yeah. So so that movie, um, the, the like the place where the guy lives is in is in Lisbon, which is where the Moxie Festival is is still held every year. Um, so, you know, Moxie's is still pretty big here, but it's basically, it's a soda and it has, a a taste that a lot of people find unpleasant because it's, you know, sodas used to be medicinal, um, and this one didn't really change the flavor profile drastically. Um, so it has a, I don't know, like almost sort of a black licorice type of taste to it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I like it fine. Like it is, if I haven't had Moxie in a while and I have one, like it definitely is a little more like of a, it's kind of like once you get used to it, you don't notice the downside of the taste as much. Cause it just kind of like, it wears its edge off a little bit, but, but I enjoy Moxie. And, you know, once again, like I was saying, when I came to to Maine to visit the first time, they're throwing everything at me. Like, I'm not going to have a single damn thing and act like it bothers me. So, um, Yeah, it's like, might as well get used to Moxie and and enjoy it. I do, like, I enjoy Moxie, and, like, my wife's uh, dad enjoys Moxie. Most of the other family, you know, are like, oh, that's gross, you know? But, I mean, you know how it is as a dad. Like, you want to have something that you like that everybody else thinks is gross, so they'll leave it alone, you know?
0: Yeah, I I know that feeling. Yeah. So, it's kind of like a culture shock. So, Maine sounds like an interesting place.
1: Maine's a very interesting interesting place you should uh you know just come up here and visit someday someday
0: uh you also got uh homemade ketchup
1: yeah i, I didn't get the recipe for this so i uh I had tweeted about this and he told me that I needed to talk about it on the podcast so I talked last time about the egg drop soup which is pretty simple and really good I've had it a couple of times since there's actually uh, a day the other day that Um, my wife wanted to get something out for a treat, but she wanted to do something different. Like we always keep doing the same things. And, um, you know, like for me, because I go to work, coming home and just being able to be home is different from having to go to work. So it's like, I have more of that variety, but with my wife being a stay at home mom, it's very hard because it's hard to get different when you're in that position. So one day she wanted something different and we are talking about different things that we could go do. We were talking about, yeah, you know, I mean, we're in Maine, so there's a lot of great places to go, but I was like, we could do this or that. But it's like ultimately she wasn't feeling great. She wasn't up to a big trip to, you know, somewhere that would take physical exertion. So we ended up just going, uh, going out for a bit to a couple of places. Nothing crazy. We, we went to a, like a natural food store around here and went to the grocery store. And then, but she wanted to get um, Chinese food. And I, I can't really eat Chinese food anymore because I can't have any sauces. Um, yeah. So when we get Chinese food, I have to get um, like steamed chicken and rice and, uh, I'm sorry, steamed chicken and broccoli. And let me tell you that the broccoli is by far the best tasting thing in that dish. Uh, right. <laughs> it just, yeah, it's, there's no flavor to it. It's steamed, you know, it's, the chicken tastes like nothing. Um, so Chinese food isn't at all a treat for me, but that's a dish that is still going to be, you know, filling and healthy and all that kind of stuff. So, but the good thing is, is uh, you know, she figured out this egg drop soup recipe. So we came home from getting it and I made the egg drop soup for myself. And so that added the, you know, kind of the spark to the meal where it's like, okay, this other stuff is healthy, but it goes well with the egg drop soup. Um, so anyways, like that was just kind of groundbreaking for me. But before that, you know, in realizing certain things I were a problem that I couldn't have, you know, in the case of ketchup, it's specifically onion powder. I can't have onion. Um, so I can't have store-bought ketchup. And one day on her own, like I didn't ask her anything, but she found a recipe for homemade ketchup that didn't have that. And she made me ketchup. And it's really good. It's, um, a, probably a little bit more vinegary than store-bought ketchup. Yeah. Because it's missing some of the, the crap ingredients they put in there, you know? Um, but it's, it's really good. So like, one thing I've been doing, been doing lately, like now that I've eliminated dairy, so I can't have cheese or, you know, anything like that to spark stuff up is, uh, I'll get, frozen french fries but ones that don't have any extra stuff added to them just just potato and it's pretty much like potato and salt you know um so i'll cook those up and then i'll have it with some of the ketchup that she made me and it's really good like i said the ketchup's a little bit more vinegary so actually has a little bit more flavor to it than just the store-bought stuff that's more homogenized and you know boring um but yeah it's basically it's uh she gets tomato I think it's tomato paste, because tomato paste has nothing added to it. It's just tomato paste. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's tomato paste and some white vinegar and, you know, a couple other ingredients. Then you got to kind of slowly simmer it to get it to the right consistency. That's all there is to it, really. Um, anybody who wants to try it, you can just Google recipes for homemade ketchup. Not hard to find. But for me, it's all, it was just all about eliminating the onion powder, because I can't have it. So I eliminate that, and then it's something that I can have. And you know When when you're limited on flavor That's uh, anything that you can have That'll add flavor is a good thing So I definitely enjoy it And it. I think it's good for like three months Something like that Like the batch really? she just made okay. me is good till July So I'll kind of eat it slowly Because I uh, I don't want You know her to have to make it for me all the time To the point where it becomes bothersome to where she doesn't want to So like this last time yeah. when I used up what she had I was like oh yeah I'll, I'll make some more I came home one day and she made it You know um, but yeah, it's simple and good, and uh, definitely a good replacement. Today she came home. You know, I, I had mentioned she went out Easter shopping, and she actually got me some uh, some shrimp from from the grocery store. Just you know, yeah, uh, plain plain shrimp. Like yeah, like shrimp cocktail. You, know, you just dip it in cocktail sauce. So she brought me that home just for something different to eat. That is something that I can eat because there's no, none of this seasoning that I can't have and anything else so that's pretty cool as I like, so I grabbed it out and I grabbed out the ketchup I was already having and then when I opened it up I realized that there was a thing a cocktail sauce in there so I looked at the ingredients of the cocktail sauce and realized that I can actually probably eat most cocktail sauce or I guess I got to look at other you know cocktail sauces ingredients uh, because it doesn't have onion powder or garlic powder it has horseradish to give it that extra flavor So, as far as I know right now, I can eat horseradish. So, I was kind of excited about that because growing up, I always loved getting shrimp and I loved dipping it in the cocktail sauce. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, anyways, that's a little tangent on that. But, yeah, that's the ketchup thing. So, pretty simple, but, um, you know, it makes a big difference for me.
0: That's what what matters, man. Yeah. Those little things like that, that kind of enhance your appreciation to where you can... uh, enjoy the things that you're doing what else you got paul
1: well you know the the other thing we got to talk about is actually your topic that you tried to okay. dance your way out of and i said nope you brought no, it up no, i'm not
0: i'm not gonna dance out of it in fact uh, i was gonna i didn't want to i was gonna bring it up but i didn't want to squash anything that you might have wanted to talk about
1: i got so, nothing in particular you-
0: Let's just dive into it and maybe this will be our last, cause I have like two or three more things I want to talk about, but we're running past an hour now and I might not
1: be able to go much yeah. longer. But the Man, time limit might- is yours. I'm good to go as long as you're good to go. So when you got to okay. call it, you call it and we're good. Okay. Well, this might only, this,
0: this topic might be worthless, but, uh, it, it, it can't. My, my brain kind of races sometimes. I, I get thoughts in my heads and I don't necessarily know how to articulate them, but I, I, I start putting things together. And I, it started with, I was watching this YouTube video that actually, uh, what was it? It's Graham Hancock is this guy. He's a reporter, is what he is. He doesn't claim to be anything more than that, but he pretty much. He's one of these guys that he's proposing that there are civilizations that actually might've existed a lot longer, uh, before. And a lot of the things we consider that are only like, uh maybe four or 5,000 years old or actually longer, older than that, possibly. And I'm kind of skeptical about some of it. Some of it is kind of like, I, I kind of agree. Uh, one of the things that's been pushed back is in like North America, uh, there was this uh, the Clovis first idea where uh, earliest American well going back to the 1930s the idea was no um, no one was living in the in the, uh, the Americas before 3000 BC period and then it kept you know we started getting advanced scientific techniques and we started learning that oh earlier and we get carbon dating and things like that and it's like it gets pushed back to uh, like 11,000 uh years ago and stuff like that. And now we're getting sites that are like pushing it back to up to 20 or 40 or even older than that. Um, and still it's still kind of the thing is, it's kind of in its infancy, but he's being proven right. A lot of times he's got this book coming out. Um, can't remember the title. It's, it's about America before, uh, before discovery. Or, um, but I watched an interview with the guy and he's talking about, how there was a cataclysm of some sort some sort. And he, uh, actually had written a book in 1995 where he kind of predicted, not predicted, but he kind of guessed that something had happened right at the near the end of the last ice age that helped, uh, that killed all the megafauna, like the, all the big mammoths and stuff like that. Um, and he ended up being proven later on by science that he was kind of right in guessing that there was a huge cataclysm that probably did contribute to uh, the the death of all these big game animals that, uh, that early man lived on in North America. Um, and it made me think about other things, other cataclysms. There have been like at least two that I can think of. Where it's, uh, like a bottleneck of humanity, they they call it where the human population got down almost to like extinction levels. And that's the kind of thing that gets passed down, right? Something really bad happens and it gets passed down. There's a story in many cultures of a flood. Um, not just like the Jewish texts or, you know, Christian religion. There's, there's other older texts that tell about the great flood that almost destroyed humanity. Um, And then I was listening to, to call back to earlier when I was talking about T-Bone Pickens, he was talking about how when we used the atom bomb on Japan, that changed a huge change in our perspective. It's like, it began a huge change in the way we view things and way we look at things Because all of a sudden, before all we had to worry about was war, famine, disease, and now all of a sudden we can just destroy the we can destroy entire populations of hundreds of thousands of people with a drop of a bomb. And he's like talking about how Jackson Pollock's paintings can be looking at really open minds looking at Jackson Pollock paintings like what he was doing with his paintings was he's showing how everything what he would be painting in a normal painting is actually the disintegration of everything into its essential atoms and things like that. And then my brain jumps to, well, how is that affected? I mean, you think about all the, our culture, like pop culture focuses all the time on end of the world dynamics. Um, we got all the zombie movies. That's a big thing big thing that's been going on for several years um and then in like like superhero movies and comics you have these superheroes because they're always fighting off something that's like an impending doom for everybody and even today you had put out a tweet and this is funny about what to read and i was like well if you don't uh I, and I saw that on my dislike of my like where it says, like, uh, you were mentioned. And I looked at it, and it's like, well, if you don't have any to read, if there's no selections, I recommend reading Black Badge, which Matt Kent and actually ended up, he gave me a little heart for mentioning him. Um, ended up being you were asking between two things DMZ, and I can't remember the other one.
1: Why the last man?
0: Right. So that encouraged me to go ahead and read the first volume of DMZ. And, and that's the same kind of story. It's like, there's a threat that's about to break everything down into like entire societies breaking down, but it all goes back to this impending doom that we're, that we're facing.
1: <laughs> Wait till and, you uh, read why the last man. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh, really?
1: Yeah, he's, he's, he's the last man. A world okay. full of women. I have not read that. Yeah, I've read the first, I think, two trades of Why the Last Man. I read the first trade of DMZ at some point, but I think that's probably what I'm going to pick up. But uh, So, yeah, you you had texted me about this a while ago because you know, I'm assuming when it was first kind of triggered on your mind, you threw it out there. And that's why I said, yeah, we got to talk about it because I'm not going to let it go. Um, I, I got different thoughts on it. And one of my first thoughts on the whole... You know, post-apocalyptic thing um, is when you get worn out by day-to-day life and you feel the stress of day-to-day life, um, you know, getting to you and you want it to stop. Well, you know that like if you're living life right, if everything is normal, if things are going in a good direction, it's not going to stop, right? Like the stress of day-to-day life doesn't stop when things are going good. It just is still – that's day-to-day life. That's what happens, right? So, things can go great. Like, you know, even if you think about winning the lottery or something like that, like a lot of those stresses you feel are still going to be there, right? So what is the the way, like, what's the kind of, not one specific event, but what's the one thing that can happen that will take the stresses of day-to-day life away, even if it's totally supplanting them with other stresses? Any kind of unnatural, cataclysmic, I mean, natural events, I guess, but anything like that, that it, th- there are things that can happen in life that are going to literally stop everything in life from mattering. You know, so, like, we talk about the post-apocalyptic types of events. If those kind of things happen, like, everything that is that matters in day-to-day life is gone. So, when, when we think about the fantasy story of this post-apocalyptic story, um, like, that's what I feel like it's doing. It's not... I, I remember at one point I saw somebody tweet, and they were being, you know, snarky, like, you know, posting this, like, prospectus for a story, in a post-apocalyptic... Post-apocalyptic – I can't even talk anymore. Good Lord. This is what happens um, when we record, yeah. like, in a post-apocalyptic whatever, like, and they're just already being dismissive of it because, like, too many things do that. And they're like, whatever. I don't want to read that. But the thing is, like, when you really look at it, a ton of things are using that kind of mentality. Like, we've been really on a Brian Wood kick lately. Um yes. How many Brian Wood stories can you name that don't have a post-apocalyptic feel to them? You know? I mean, like I, I've been well, reading uh The Massive. The Massive is definitely in that yeah, realm that where there's a cataclysmic yeah. event. Um you know, even Sword Daughter, it's a microcosm of of this one like dad and his daughter, but they had a cataclysmic event in their life. Even Northlanders. Exactly. Northlanders is just rife with catas uh, you know cat, uh, cataclysmic events going on like it's things a, that are it's just, not
0: a it's not a global scale but it's a localized scale which for them mm-hmm. would be global exactly them, yeah it, yeah
1: it's things that are life changing for the people involved their life like the things that matter in their life before these changes don't matter anymore and i like i think it's a form of escapism that um it's not fantasy it's not you know fantasizing about these things that are, you know, wonderful and beautiful that like, oh, if life was only like that. But it's these things that just like it jars everything that is normal day-to-day life and changes it, you know? I mean, even in our real lives, we could think of things like that, like, you know, 9-11. When 9-11 happened, um, you know, the the days yeah. following. The, the day of, I remember going to work that day and it just being – Just everything for the the lack of a better description was so very different interactions with people and everything like anything that could have mattered before didn't really matter.
0: It shocked everybody back. I had a job interview that day and I went to the interview despite what was happening because I really needed a job. And it's like you said, everything, everybody's perspectives on what mattered changed
1: for yeah, I mean, a while. I was let's see so that happened in 2001, right? Mhm. Yeah. So I I was 18 years old. I had just graduated high school, you know, the the summer before. And uh what I went to was I I got up to go to work and kind of on my way leaving to go to work was like, "Oh my god, like look at this thing that happened." I wasn't even able to grasp what happened, and I went to work. I just was like, something happened. What the heck is going on? And I go to work. Like, I literally – I'm 18 years old. I rode my bike to work, and I go in there, and all I could do is turn the radio on to find out what's going on. I'm there by myself. Like, this isn't the kind of job – I was working at at a post and parcel place. So, like, you know, we did postal stuff, and we sold a bunch of crappy gift merchandise. And uh, so I'm there by myself and I turn the radio on. That's all I can really do is listen and try to figure out what's going on. And I have customer after customer coming. I mean, not that we were super busy, but every customer coming in was saying stuff like, are you ready to go to war? I'm like, no, I'm 18 years old. I'm not ready to go to war. What the hell is wrong with you? Like, why would you go in and say that to somebody? That that definitely gave me a lot of perspective on, you know, actually – thinking about the perspective of somebody else before you say your stupid ass ideas. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm 18 years old. Like wh- why would I be wanting to go to war? And you know, if that's a real possibility, why would you be coming in? And so like, you know, casually saying that to me because you're old and don't have to think about it. And that's something that's still to my, you know, still to this day when stuff happens, I think about, it. I'm like, Hey, I'm I'm old enough that I, I don't have to worry about getting drafted. And I think about that because – and it goes back to that event when I was 18 years old and people were coming in saying stuff like that like I was going to be drafted. Um, but yeah, an event like that, like it just – it changes everything. It makes everything that is this day-to-day burden that gets so hard to carry go away. It doesn't matter when there's something like that going on, you know. So, I, I think that that's, you know, when we talk about the impact of the, you know like, – trying to open my phone up so I can look at. So the message you sent me was consider the talking point of living in a world of impending doom since the atomic bomb and how it affects our pop culture, i.e. comics, movies, zombies, etc. So yeah, I think it shows in a lot of different ways, but I think ultimately it's it's either coping with the actual fear of that happening, which we see in some forms of art. And the other side of the coin is just that escapism of being able to let go of, of everything else that concerns you. So, like, The Walking Dead is post-apocalyptic, right? Like, the world's changed. Everybody's zombies. Yeah. So, instead of, uh, you know, getting into a fantasy world that is, I don't know, for for the lack of a better description, prettier, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, man, yeah. You know, you could... Sit there and daydream about yourself in this zombie world where you're you know, you're a badass and you're, you're uh, you know blowing zombies heads off with shotguns or something like that. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So that's kind of what I thought about it when you when you texted me that.
0: I think that's pretty much what I expected. To, that's what I wanted from you. You helped me uh, wrap my brain around what my brain was doing when uh, it went into a, like a little mind. Uh, fury about all these <laughs> things and yeah that helps me out l- gives me a little bit more to think about when it comes to that I
1: think uh, it's, it's similar to the discussion we just had about about vinyl too and is it the best sound quality like you really got to think about what the perspective of people is in any of these things and you know what they're looking to get out of something and what they're getting out of it. Other like I don't like zombie movies because I don't like gory stuff I don't like horror stuff so, like, zombies are, are lost on me. But, um, I remember reading The Road. Have you read The Road? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, when I read The Road, uh, my wife and I had moved from one apartment to another in California. Um, the apartment we moved into, we actually had, we carried over the roommate from the last place. She was going to live with us for a, a portion of the time before moving back home because she was finishing up school. Uh, so we had her as a roommate, but we also had another couple as our roommate. So when we first moved in there, my wife and I had the master bedroom, and the apartment was kind of split in half. And there was the master bedroom side, and then the other side was – it was sort of like a two-bedroom suite separated off by a door. So when we first moved in, the other roommates had those rooms. And then once our single roommate moved out, we actually flip-flopped. So um, okay. the, the other couple took the master bedroom, and we took the two rooms. But so, when we first moved in, my wife and I had the master bedroom. And so, this is in California. And, uh, man, the AC worked good in that place. Let me tell you that. So, in the bedroom that we had when we moved in, the AC was kicking more in our room than in the other rooms. So, when it was summer and we were cranking it up, like, our room would be freezing. So, I remember reading the road when we had just moved in. So, uh, the room is still fairly bare. And it's freezing, even though it's the summer. So we're, like, in bed reading, and, uh, man, was that the right way to read the road. It just felt barren and cold. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, it was something. But, yeah, you know, books like that, they're really about, um, they're just a different kind of escapism.
0: I can see that. It's kind of like, it's not like you're wishing it to happen, but... There's kind of a wish for things to slow down.
1: Yeah. I I think when we need escapism, like there's a part of us that wishes for the things we would like, but there's a part of us that wishes for uh, a challenge that is more important than the challenge that we have. And, you know, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm old enough to remember the pre-cell phone culture. This is not being an old dude just saying, I wish things were back the way it wasn't because I don't, because I appreciate everything we have now. I really do. Um, the, the fact that I'm able to talk to you now is because of this and that we're able to share our conversations is because of all the advancements we've made. But one of the things I regret is the constant attachment to everybody else that expects your attention. We've talked about this also. Um, I accidentally, uh, my my wife's sister calls every day two or three times at certain time periods. And I jokingly, I told her I was going to do it. And then I forgot I had done it. I jokingly blocked her on her phone <laughs> just for a break. <laughs> and that ended up being a, a, a bad decision <laughs> because I forgot I did it. But uh, yeah, it's like, it's like, I think we, are, we're going so fast so all the time and we're always so inundated. Um, that, may, that brings to mind uh, one of the things I wrote down, and I'm not going to get into this, one of the reasons I loved uh, starting keeping, uh, I'm calling it a commonplace book, basically a book to, for writing thoughts and things I've noticed and quotes and things like that in, going back again to the, and the guy, he amazed me. T-Bone Pickens said, Human beings have been, no wait, I'm sorry. Human beings have undergone over a century of electronic programming. And then he said, uh, if I can read my writing, the current digital technology is certainly making us less human. It's changing the way we relate to other people. It's changing the way we look at ourselves, it's changing the way we function on a daily basis. Um, and we've talked, and a lot of people haven't, and this is a conversation we've had since, I think, near the beginning of the when we started the podcast about, and especially since you we've been talking about un- D de- or unprogramming, What's the phrase you use about like unprogramming our mind or disconnecting from Yeah, unplugging. Unplugging, slowing down. Listening to an album as it was put out by the artist used to be a thing. You'd buy the album. You would sit there, listen to side A, flip it, listen to side B. There was no skipping around, picking your favorites. You just absorbed it, and then you would like, you could place it on the track. If you just want to hear a song. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things that kind of just flips around in my head about how we are evolving as, as people. And, uh, so go listen to everybody. Listen, go listen to T bone Burnett's interview with Mark Marin on WTF. After you listen to us, (laughs) I guess you're listening to us. So I'm saying that the guy was an amazing guy. I mean, he knew a lot of interesting people over the years. Uh, he was in, uh, California during the, the Manson thing. And he like, as soon as that happened, he said, I'm going back to Texas (laughs) as bad as Texas can be. He's like, this has got to be better than where I'm at. Um, yeah, lots of, lots of thoughts in my head about things like that. And you've kind of made me start thinking about, um, approaching things at a slower pace.
1: Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm very adamant about that, um, in my own life and I'm sharing it with other people. Uh, like at work the other day, I was, I was talking with one of my employees and, and talking about things that he needed to work on and improve on. But I even was like, you know, hey, this, this isn't something that can be my expectations, but you know, like I told him, like every time he was on a break, he would be trying to accomplish something on his, you know, calling about concert tickets or something. Like, he's just cramming every moment of his day at work in with stuff. And, you know, he's stressing himself out about stuff that, like, ultimately doesn't matter a bit, you know. Um, he went through a period where he was trying to upgrade his concert tickets, but for some reason, like, he couldn't upgrade the tickets he had. They wouldn't allow him to purchase yeah. more tickets because he had purchased the original tickets. It was just a bunch of, like, you know, the loophole crap that happens with stuff like that. And he, but he got himself so wound up about it. And it was, it was affecting like his whole day at work. So when I was talking to him, I was telling him like, look, this like, is this something you can change when you're working? You know, it's not. So like, why are you trying to worry about it then? You know, if these things are on your mind, like, you know, what, what's on your mind matters, but write it down and put it away until you get out of work. So that way you have a break from it. But I saw him too, it's like, Every time you're at work, like I see you every moment of your breaks, you're, you're trying to do all this stuff that ultimately doesn't matter, but you're giving yourself no break. And I said, Hey, take a break. Like stop, like get off your phone to give yourself a mental break when you're at work. And I actually, I gave him the, uh, the first bloodshot reborn trade because oh, yeah. uh my my cousin Mike I had given it to him a while back, and he gave it back to me because he was clearing some stuff out a bunch of that stuff you just got in a box um but so I like I've read this uh I think I may even own it digitally but so I, I gave it to uh you know to this kid um and uh you know the, the next handful of days, like every single break he was on, I saw him sitting there reading instead of being on his phone, being on Facebook or whatever, you know, like none, yeah. none of that stuff matters. You cram like every moment with those kind of things and thinking about like you end up spending more time trying to set stuff up to do or find stuff to do or find ways to engage with stuff than you do engaging in stuff. And if you just stop that, then you enjoy – you you appreciate the moment that you're in and then when you're actually engaging with those things, you're engaging with them. But when you teach yourself to always be, I have to be on Facebook or I have to be on Twitter and I have to be this and that, then even if you go to a concert, what are you doing when you're at the concert? You're freaking messing around on your phone. Yeah. Like, you paid money to be there. Why the hell are you on your phone? Why do you need to record the concert on your phone just so you can post it on Twitter or something? Get off your phone. Stop thinking any of that stuff matters. And, like, focus on the moment that you're in. I'm somebody that um, is, is different now that I have a kid. But I don't like pictures. I don't like taking pictures. I... It, this goes back to just, you know, not liking a lot of my life growing up, but like I before my wife, I don't like looking at pictures like before my life with my wife in it. I don't like looking at pictures because uh-huh. there's so much negative in there for me. But, it, yeah. you know, since then, it's like I'm still like I'm not prone to take pictures. That's one thing that I learned is I care about the moment I'm, I'm in and I'm going to remember that moment. I'm not going to remember it better because I take a picture. I'm going to remember it worse if all I'm concerned about is taking the right picture, or taking a good picture. And well, it's
0: like you go to you go to a concert and more people are holding their phones up trying to capture the moment and enjoying yeah. the moment.
1: Yeah, like their crappy video or crappy recording of the song is any good? It's right. it's an awful waste of time and they're just ruining their own moment and you know i've it's been a long time since i've been to a concert but i went to a lot of concerts before i moved from california to maine and i i remember a lot of good moments and not one of those damn moments that i have my phone out trying to record what was going on <laughs> you know the yeah. the moments that matter to you it's not about recording them it's about remembering them and you're not going to remember them if you're caught up with recording them yeah. And that that's, you know, this whole thing about, you know, slowing life down and disconnecting to an extent and stuff like that. Um, It's about really focusing on, on living your life and not being caught up and always chasing something. Yeah. You know, I, I realized quite a while back before I even realized a lot of these other things that I needed to change. But I realized that we spend a lot of time chasing good things, doing good things. But there are so many good things that are available that aren't great things. Yep. That what you end up doing is you spend all your time on good things and you miss on all the great things. You know, yeah, it's that's like, very true. I, I like all sports. So I could play fantasy football, baseball, basketball, hockey. I can always have those things going on. I could play 10 leagues of each every year if I wanted to and, and all that stuff. And like, are any of those things individually a negative? No. But. If I do all of them, it's, it's gonna detract from everything else. And so for me, I love fantasy football. Fantasy football is a very good thing for me. Um, everything else is a detraction from it. Doing extra leagues I don't need to do is a detraction from the leagues that actually matter to me. That's just one example, but it's so easy to detract from everything good because you're focusing on, on all this stuff that doesn't matter a damn bit. It goes with comics too. Like yeah. we've talked about this. You know, you get comics that you have sitting there. Well, they're comics. They're worth reading, right? Well, are they? Yeah. If they're not worth reading, get rid of them. They don't matter. Get rid of them. And if yeah. if you miss them and wish you didn't get rid of them, you're gonna really want to read them when you get them again, aren't you?
0: Yep. Yep. Very true. You just sent me a big box, and I'm going through right now, trying to figure out what I want to focus on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. First, you know. So, the one good thing about the box that I just sent you is the majority of it. So, some of it is stuff that, that my cousin gave me, but I think it's actually stuff that's decent enough to, uh, to pass along for the most part. <coughs> Excuse me. But, um, I've actually, like, most of the stuff I sent you is stuff that I, I got specifically to read and then was passing it on. So, um, like, I think I sent you a bunch of uncanny X-Men from the new series. Like, I was getting that because I yeah, really enjoyed yeah. it, you know? So I passed those on. I got a handful of trades that I sent you that I got them and I read them and I sent them to you. It's really easy to pass stuff along that I myself decide not to bother with, but one of the things I'm definitely really trying to do is not get things that I don't want to bother with, and then I don't have to send along things that I don't want to bother with. I'd, there's plenty of things that I would like to bother with that I can spend time on and then Send on to somebody else to uh, to do. <laughs> I
0: uh, I told you that I you'd send me this box and I have a ton of other things that I've been I've either bought or you've sent me in the past and I told you that I I canceled my Comicsology Unlimited. You know, you're like I'm glad I save you six bucks a month. Yeah, six bucks a month. But why doing that, it's like I'm forcing myself to focus on what I have. And I'm gonna read. I'm going to go through and find out what I want to read. I'm going to read through it. And maybe there's stuff in there that I want to pursue more, that kind of thing, instead of just having it. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, eh? I don't know. It's It's a whole process of trying to like, get a grip on your time. And other things like that, and just like uh, enjoy what you can enjoy and find the and like finding the great things and appreciating those.
1: Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to is is focusing on finding what's great, not just what is there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I did the same thing. I signed up for Comicsology Unlimited, and I could look at it and be like, oh man, there's so many things that are great about this. But I also realized that there are so many other things that I have that are great that I've spent money on to read. I mean, just in comicsology, I have over 200 items that, um, like, actually going through and editing what I have. Because there's a lot of things I bought that I've read before that I bought to be able to read again. Well, I took those out of the list and I saw over 200 things that I've never read that I spent money on to read, you know. So, it's like, well, why am I paying yeah. six bucks a month? And it's not so much about the money. is about the pressure to use what you're spending money on. But why am I spending six yeah. bucks a month to have more stuff to read when I have more than I can read right now? You know, let alone the fact yeah. that I have a good amount of, of hardcovers and trade paperbacks to read on my bookshelf. Plus, since I've been collecting uh, a handful of stuff, I have, you know, Uncanny X-Men and Spider-Man and all this other stuff that I've in issues of. And if I don't want those to be just a collection, I got to read them. So, I have all these other things, and it's not that Comicsology Unlimited is in any way bad, but I just don't need the content. Oh, no. So why am I, su- you know, I was actually talking about this with my wife, too, about, um, that there's this thing now of, um, I forget what, what term she used, but it's like a subscription overload, like subscription fatigue. People are getting tired of paying money for all these different things. I was like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I don't like doing that. Like, my, my PlayStation Plus membership expired and I didn't renew it because I don't really play games with the people online very much. And the free games you get each month, I don't play them because I have games I paid money for that i not, I don't have the time to play. And, uh, my Marvel Unlimited comic, uh, uh, subscription ended. And yeah. it's like, yeah, it's great to have that resource where you can read anything, but man, that can be a burden too. Yeah, you know, I read through as much on Candy X-Men as I could before it ended, but now that it's over, you know, like I'm either going to read them as the physical issues I'm collecting, or if I want to like really kind of be able to pound through a bunch for a while, I'll get a one month subscription rather than su- signing up for a year of it. The burden of spending yeah. all this money on stuff and then feeling like you have to spend all your time on it to get the value out of that money, it just becomes a burden. It takes away from the enjoyment of those things. Yeah, you know, I've been, uh. Yeah. I haven't read a lot of these issues yet, but talking on Twitter with uh, Patrick Zerker and uh, Kurt Busiek, a couple of different times they've recommended a certain segment of The Avengers for me to read. And uh, the first time I had uh, Marvel Unlimited, and so like I queued it up on there, but I never got around to reading it. Because once again, when it's too easy, you, it's easy to just put it off. Uh, but the second time they, they recommended the same thing as again. So I went on eBay and I searched Avengers and then put in those three specific issue numbers. And I found a lot of 10 comics that included those. And it, was, it was only 18 bucks for 10 old Avengers comics. They weren't in the, great, the greatest shape or anything, but whatever. Um, so I got them. I read the first one. I actually started reading the second one tonight. But, you know, I said, I'm going to read these before I bag in boredom because I don't want them to just be another item in a collection, out of sight, out of mind. I want to read them. I got them to read, not to collect. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, that that's where you get the enjoyment out of it, everything. And then your enjoyment isn't just spending money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the little, uh, downfall that's easy to slip into and just kind of slide down into like, just collecting it without appreciating it. Um, Probably should wrap it up soon. I do want to say I've got like three more, three or four more things that we probably talk about, <laughs> but we're going to save those till next time. Um, I want to say one more thing. I'm very proud of my oldest daughter. No one is going to know any or care anything about this, but she is going to state and spelling. Uh, she just got home today. She went to regionals and, uh, she got second place, which is a kind of a big deal because I can't remember she's going to the same school I went to and I can't remember anybody going to state when I was in school. And in the last 10 years, I can't think of anybody going academically to school um, and to state a uh, competition for UIL. Um, it's just, it just a little high five to her, even though she won't listen to this because <laughs> she can't listen to me talk, but I'm, I'm really proud of her because she put the effort in and, uh, and she's going to go to Austin next month and get to compete with a lot of other really kids that are dedicated to something that no one, most people don't care about. Well, that's the thing is it's not
1: entertainment on a broad perspective. Um, and that's why it doesn't get those, you know, that kind of attention. Um, you know, it's not just about the school accomplishing something, but as, you know, people are entertained by, say, football. So when the school's yeah. accomplishing something in football, it matters because it's entertainment for people. Um, but you know, the thing is, is that the the kids that push themselves to do those things and get enjoyment out of doing those things, they're enjoying that, that challenge in their life and they continue to seek that challenge. And that's something that, yeah. that I can relate to. And talking to you, I'm guessing you can relate to it too. Um, when I was in, uh, so high school, not so much. I didn't do anything like that that was uh, extracurricular, but in junior high, I had the opportunity to do that because I also had the support for my family to do that kind of stuff. Um, but that was the first time, uh, that, you know, even though there were, there were other things earlier in my education that should have made me realize that, that I was exceptional in some way. But in junior high, I started junior high just in the regular math class. But then when, uh, the, um, accelerated math class or whatever, the upper level math class, there was a kid that dropped out of it because it was too much for them, uh, w- which is fine. Nobody should take that as something that's not fine. Um, but I had the opportunity to step up into it. I mean, I was young enough. Like, I didn't even know that I wanted to step up into it. It was probably something that, you know, my yeah. parents had kind of set up because they probably knew better than I did at that point that I was in some way, shape or form exceptional. Um, but so I stepped up up into the uh, whatever they called it, but it was the upper level math class. And this is a junior high, so it's not like and it was a private school, too. So there was two options. There's regular math or there was this math class. And man, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, I still remember my teacher, Mr. Brown. Um, he's one of the few teachers that really left a mark on me. But we did uh, like math leads and math Olympics and stuff like that. I didn't think anything of it. It was just always like if there's a challenge there, take the challenge. But I participated in those and I was never trying to be the best necessarily. I was just participating and whatever the result was, the result was going to be. But, you know, I look back on that now and it was fun to do it. It was getting out of regular class and doing something different. It was also kind of special times of I remember my dad taking me to do those things. So. Looking back, he must have been laid off at the time uh, because he was in aerospace at the time and he went through several periods of layoffs um, because that's the only way he, you know, reasonably would have been taking me to do it. Um, Yeah, it's, you know, it's awesome and your daughter's lucky that she has parents that will recognize the importance of those things and celebrate it with her because just like you said, in the grand scheme of things, nobody really cares. But those things are, uh, are great and important. And, you know, her taking those challenges, she's going to continue to challenge herself in life. And people who continue to challenge themselves are the ones that do better things in life.
0: Yeah. I've, I've got great confidence in her. She doesn't necessarily think I do, but I really do. Um, one of the funny things about it is, is you're talking about teachers that made an impact. I had a, I had a teacher in high school. She taught English. And she taught history. And one of the things she taught me, and I, I don't necessarily, it worked for me. Um, she said, you write something down seven times, you're going to remember it. And uh, I, I put that to effect when I was in high school and it worked for me. So when, when my daughter started in junior high, started doing spelling, I said, you just need to sit and write it out seven times and then over and over and try it. And... You know, I, I, she's naturally brilliant. I don't know where she got it from. Not from necessarily us. She did the same thing in music memory. She she did a there was a UIL music memory, and she'd do the same thing. She'd listen to it and listen to it and listen to it, and write it out. Write out the name of the songs as she was listening, and it just get implanted. And uh, you know there are people that give you pieces of advice like that, that just kind of resound throughout your life that you can pass on. And, uh, and, you know, maybe she would have done just as good without my advice, but the thing is she used it and she's used it since then. And it's one of those little kind of weird things that kind of has worked out.
1: Yeah. You know, it it just goes to show that when, uh, when people are really trying to, to connect and make an impact on somebody, it's not really big grand gestures necessarily that, that matter and make the biggest impact. It's often just being attentive to what that person needs. And, you know, one little piece of advice can mean so much. And that was a piece of advice that came to you from somebody when you were in school and then you're able to hand it down yeah. to your, to your daughter. And, you know, now that I have, you know, my son and he's, you know, getting to the point in school where academics are at least a factor um, to a small extent. He's in kindergarten. You know, it's not like it's oh, a, yeah. it's not like it's the, the same extent as it'll be later, but you know, like because he's, he's a child with developmental delays and, you know, some special needs and stuff. We have IEP meetings, um, which is all about making his specific educational plan for what support he needs to be able to, to properly get education. Um, but going and meeting with the people that work with him between his teacher, his principal and his speech therapist at the school. Um, number one, it's amazing to see the support that we get here, which just makes me all the more glad that I got the hell out of California before we started a family. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's, it's just amazing to see like the, the leaps and bounds he makes and, um, you know, the further things he has to focus on. But, then to see the, you know, going back to when I was a kid and the example that was set for me and the things that I excelled at and those things that I took over time as being important and have um, carried them on to my son and see the importance. Like one of the things that struck me at one point in one of the meetings was that the people that I was talking with that were there to work with him were blown away by the level of engagement that my wife and I had and his, his needs oh, for yeah. further help. And it was clear that it was something that they're not used to seeing, which was just like yeah. disturbing that there are so many parents out there that, you know, not only need the help, but they don't want to do their part of it. And, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's amazing the impact that people can have and, and, the uh, you know, the resounding effect it can have as life goes on. And it's one of the things that, um, I don't know if I was raised to feel this way or if it was probably a mixture of, of how I was raised in my environment and my own personality and stuff. But you know, I've always felt like you, you really, you do the the best by the people that you're engaging with in whatever way, because people are what matters. And if you are always looking to have the best effect on the people around you, then it's going to, you know, it's going to matter. And those little things like just me consistently living in a way like that, um, it's hard to see the effect often because the, like the bigger effect is when it trickles outwards further and further. But, uh, you know, there are times when you actually get to see you connect with somebody that's, you know, that you connected with years ago or something like that and see the impact that something so small had on them. Just like you said, with your teacher, and that the impact that it could have on you and it's amazing um as we wrap this up uh, i have one last thought i want to share that kind of goes in line with this so you know we started doing this podcast on our own we split off from from nerdy legion that was publishing it and uh not that we were looking to change anything but obviously we split off to different feeds so I checked in with a couple of different people whose opinions, um, in different ways and for different reasons mattered to me. And, uh, I wanted to see if they were listening to the podcast, um, because a lot of people didn't realize that there was even a change because we just suddenly up and did it. And,
0: uh, yeah, we kind of, we kind of just, uh, <laughs> we made a big break.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that's what you, what you got to do if we're going to make a change and do it on our own. You know, it's not about, it wasn't precipitated necessarily by any other event, but it's just like we've been wanting to do this. And sometimes you just got to rip off the bandaid and do it. Um, but so I, I reached out to a couple of different people. One is. Uh, one is somebody that. Uh, was involved with podcasts that I, I don't even know if she does any anymore. I think she actually might have started doing one again, but uh, she's actually somebody else that I've uh grown a relationship with just talking to about the special needs of our children um because she has an interesting situation with that um and it's great to have people to relate to with that. The other one is somebody who um whose opinion I respect as a podcaster and as uh as I I don't know a fan of comics, of podcasts, of anything else and um that that's ed who is uh when i was doing my solo podcast i i had two patrons and he is he is still a patron of mine and i have no idea why he decides that i'm worth wasting his money on every month but um if he wants to give it to me i'm not gonna say no so (laughs) i appreciate it because it does uh definitely fund a little bit of my uh my endeavors but um I sent a message to Ed because, uh, you know, just following him on Twitter, I see his tweets and see that, um, like honestly, part of it is he's had some critical things to say lately about podcasts he's listened to. And mm-hmm. it's a good thing to be critical about what you're listening to and to see what things are good or bad and what things you enjoy or do not enjoy and that sort of thing. So like I found it interesting to see his comments. Um, and I didn't think that any of his comments were about our podcast by any means. They could be for all I know, but like nothing made me think that. That's not why I reached out to him. But when we got going, we had a couple of episodes released. And basically once I knew we had the iTunes feed, I sent him a message and asked if he listened and he, and he listened and he sent me an email and shared his thoughts. And, you know, for him and I could certainly agree with this, but. Uh, you know, when he listened to podcasts, like, you know, he shared that, um, he wasn't looking to engage with other people's problems. He was looking to have that escapism of not having problems and to, to hear people talk about the things that were just fun. And yeah. so, like, you know, I thought about that. And of course, like, whatever we do is because we want to do it. We're not doing this podcast for fame or money or anything. Um, no, no. but I still considered it because. I value his opinion and, um, you know, we can think about how we approach stuff certainly and, and possibly give people more of what they want. That isn't necessarily just what we're aiming for. Um, and then the other person I talked to, as I said, uh, Amy, um, she absolutely loved our first two podcasts. Um, and she didn't think that we were going too much into that. But, you know, once again, she could relate to a lot of the stuff that we were talking about because we definitely were getting, um, a lot heavier into, you know, our feelings and emotions and stuff that we were dealing with and our families and stuff like that in the first couple episodes we did since we started releasing on our own. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was interesting seeing because they had very different perspectives, which, you know, of course people are going to have different perspectives, but, um, it gave me a lot of heart in both ways. Like, uh, we could have a lot of fun talking about the things that are fun with these episodes, but it's really good seeing the impact that we could have on people being very genuine and, uh, in both ways, honestly, being genuine about things that we really like or dislike in, you know, comics, movies, whatever culture. And then also about the things that affect us in our real lives and see the impact that it can have on people. Um, so I, I just I, I've been thinking about that, and I, I wanted to talk about it a little bit on our last episode, but um, you know we we filled that up pretty pretty heavily, and then we had to cut off at a certain time. So, anyways, I thought that kind yeah, yeah, no, of tied into a lot of stuff that we talked about today.
0: No, I really appreciate Ed's perspective, and I I really get it because I understand wanting to listen to and just kind of go into something without having to like hear about issues and worries and i think you know we're going to grow into it i mean the first two episodes we did were really i guess you'd call it deep we got really personal about certain things um but this episode this, the third episode was more just fun and this one and we kind of just we kind of like mostly fun but we kind of balanced and uh we talk about the things that matter to us and that's what
1: we do life's a lot of balance you know it's uh <laughs> figuring out how to how to eat sardines because they're <laughs> they're good for you and um uh, there's so many different things like i'm looking at myself reflected in my computer monitor and uh i started losing my hair quite a number of years ago at a fairly young age you know for losing your hair um mm-hmm. and uh I mean, for a number of years, it wasn't really something I had to confront, but eventually I got to the point where it's like, okay, what am I going to do? And you see different people how they confront hair loss and they have, you know, they, they grow it long and comb it over or they, they do different stuff to try to mask it or even uh, there was a period where my wife was like, well, do you want to try something like, uh, you know, Rogaine or something like that? And, like, she actually looked into it some. Like, have you ever looked into Rogaine? Like, you literally, it says, like, you get this goop. You put it on your head. It's always just goop on your head. And it's supposed to, like, help Mm -hmm. you have more hair. But, like, you literally have to live with goop on your head. Hell no, I don't want that. So, I finally got to the point where (laughs) I said, you know what? Like, I went from just keeping it short to I finally started just razoring it. And, uh... I'll usually let it grow out for a while. I, mean, I guess right now, especially during winter, it gets more difficult to shave because uh, it just is unpleasant. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, life is all about adapting and balancing the things that seem difficult but aren't as difficult as they seem and the things that seem fun. And often the things that seem fun, there are a lot of those that are more difficult than they seem, you know, it's yeah, just all, all yeah. a good balance of. And just like with the sardines, not being afraid of what they look like and realizing that uh there's nothing about them that's going to hurt you. And, you know, not, not being afraid to just do the things that you need to do, meaning getting rid of comics you don't need to read or um, <laughs> staying the hell off of Facebook so you're not wasting your time and getting frustrated by your family who all they do is post obnoxious memes or something, you know, I mean, there's so many things like that, that, uh, we force ourselves to do things Speaking of
0: being, yeah. Speaking of being follicly follically challenged <laughs> on a lighter note, uh, I, I I told you earlier that, uh, I was putting Brian Wood into my, my uh, my, uh, holy trinity of comic book writers with, uh, Matt Kent, and Jeff Lemire. And one of the main reasons, I'm going to jokingly say I'm putting it because I've seen some pictures of him, and he's following the challenge, too. <laughs> and, he, and he produces some greatness. So, And so go read some DMZ, man. I, it's it's the first trade I read. It was... It, it, I don't know. If, did you read Starve?
1: I haven't read Starve yet, but okay, so onto the subject of uh of you know being over inundated with things and finding a balance there so hoopla um is something that i am a proponent of and you you don't have access to it through your library so anybody who doesn't know what hoopla is go to hoopladigital.com and if you have a library card if your library subscribes to it you can use it to get digital downloads to a certain quantity each month of comics books movies music all sorts of different different things so with my library it started out i was getting five downloads a month then it went up to 10 downloads a month now it's down to a measly oh, wow. three downloads a month but that actually kind of helps me provide a good balance um so i, I get three yeah, downloads yeah. a month so i try to get my money's worth out of it that you know doesn't cost anything but still um so like this month i got the first download i got was a book uh never be angry again that I thought it, I had listened to the guy on a podcast. So I thought that'd be really great. Turned out I was mm-hmm. bored out of my mind with it. So the second, I, I got a, a second audio book, uh, which is called the score takes care of itself. And it's a book, um, that's about bill Parcells. He was, uh, he participated in the creation of it. Um, but the author whose name I don't remember cause he's not, uh, I'm sorry. I said bill Parcells. I'm gonna say bill Walsh. Um, yeah, yeah, so anyways, it's a book about Bill Walsh and his like leadership philosophy basically. And that one I'm I'm really enjoying. Um but I have one left, so I, I posted a poll on Twitter, should I uh, get into DMZ or should I get into Why the Last Man? I'm probably going to go DMZ because I actually didn't remember that it was Brian Wood because Brian Wood's name didn't mean anything to me at that time, but um but yeah, your comments about post, you know, putting him into your holy trinity of uh of comic book creators. So not everybody's going to feel the same way, but I know you and I both feel the same way that uh, Matt Kent and Jeff Lemire are definitely are like the, the two that just the stuff they put out resonates with us in a lot of different ways and their creativity and stuff like that. And there, there's a lot of other guys that we could probably talk kind of in that category, but like Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent are definitely like our standouts they're, and
0: they're the foremost to my mind. And because, and they're both, they're, they're both unique. I know they're friends and I know they have worked together. Um L- Kent has his certain aspects that are ma- are magical to me. His is mostly the long form. Like I need several, like I told you to read back black badge. Um, you, you need lots of issues for it really to start working. I've read some single issues like in the uh, Black Hammer series that one, it, just one issue. You don't even have to know what's going on before or after. Of course, you won't know after, but because it's after. But he has, he writes really good standalone issues that are just in themselves are wonderful. Uh, and, and with, uh, Brian Wood, uh, you know, I've read a lot of him lately. He has something special about him also that just makes me like, I've got to get more of what he's doing. I got to get dive in deeper.
1: Yeah. There, there's something about um, his approach. Some, yeah. To, yeah, just the way he approaches storytelling. I, I think part of it might be subject matter. Um, but his, his approach to storytelling, it, it kind of goes, I think, to the mindset that I was talking about of, not getting lost in all the noise around you all the time. Like he's very, it's like you feel that he has a great big plan in the story that he's making. And, uh, that's a feeling that is really nice. I mean, you read, um, you know, modern comics, big two comics, like you read, you know, like I'm, I'm an X-Men fan. I've talked about that. And like, uh, when they relaunched Uncanny X Men, the first 10 issues were weekly comics, and it was a lot of like, what the hell? You know, I mean, just like, wh- what is this mess of a story that they have? Um, like, I, you, you can enjoy it. Like, I, I just decided I was going to enjoy it, and I enjoyed it enough. But then when I look back at the cost I spent on that, I was like, that is bad a load of crap that I had to convince myself to enjoy that and spend that much money on yeah. that story. That was not very good. Um, it's really nice to fill yourself in the hands of a creator that you're just like, I know their vision. I don't know where the story is going necessarily, but like, I know what and how to an extent that they're getting there. So like, I know that what I'm getting right now is going to be what I'm going to continue to get quality wise. And it's just something totally different, but yeah, like I, I was thinking about that since you said it. I definitely want to read some more Brian Wood before I definitely put him up there with Kenton Lemire, but I mean, so far what I've read doesn't dissuade me. Um, he's definitely something. I, I,
0: encourage, you, I encourage you to pr- probably start with DMZ and then read Starve because – there's definitely a connection between those two books. It's not like they're necessarily in the same, uh, circumstances, but there's definitely a the same, uh, perspective and, uh, frame of mind behind what he's writing, uh, that he's putting out there. So, yeah. So yeah, if you get a chance, try it out, see if you like it.
1: Like, well, I've read some like, DMZ before. Um, and I've I've been wanting to go back and read more DMZ, and now on Hoopla they have I'm pretty sure all of DMZ available across five volumes. That's one of the nice things about oh, um, yeah. Vertigo, is it seems like you know they they release stuff and first it's in you know like the typical trade that's like four to five issues, but then eventually they they release volumes that are like the equivalent of two trades. And then eventually they release volumes are the equivalent of like three trades. So you get a lot of bang for your buck there. Um, Oh yeah. 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 So they they have, I'm pretty sure all of DMZ across five volumes available on hoopla now. So I have one download left for April and that's probably the way I'm going to go. I'm interested in reading why the last man I've read the first couple of trades of, of why before. Um, and I know I'll enjoy them both, but I think I'm going to dive into DMZ, especially I didn't even remember those Brian Wood because when I read it wave forever ago, I didn't know who the hell Brian Wood was.
0: Yeah. Aaron says it's one of his top three books. So
1: yeah, you know, Aaron is like 97% hate. So his top three books, you know, he loves them.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's very true. We need to wrap it up, buddy. We're we're at two hours, longest episode ever.
1: Yeah, whatever. We go another four hours. <laughs> we could. All right, so let's wrap this up. I'm tired. You're tired. It's late at night. But you know what? The weather's getting nice. It was actually getting nice to be up this late. And we actually might be able to start recording a little bit earlier because I can record outside while my wife is inside watching TV in the future. So... That doesn't matter too much tonight because we didn't do that. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at who's Paul. You can find you on Twitter at MD Sparkman. Tweet us, uh, about what you thought about the episode and other episodes and maybe what you might want us to talk about. Uh, we definitely right now we are rife with topics to talk about just from what is interesting and on our minds, but at times that wanes. So hearing, you know, other people's things that, uh, they're interested in always helps us. The whole purpose of this episode for us, or not this episode, this podcast for us is to, um, share our interests with each other so that way we can find new things to check out. So feel free to share your interests with us once again at who's Paul at MD Sparkman. Uh, but check us out, um, on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Give us a review on iTunes, perhaps. I doubt we have any reviews yet. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so let us know what you think. Come back here next time for more talks about comics and movies. And, ah, man, there's so much stuff I want to talk about that we didn't even touch on today. I know it. Same here. We got a lot. We got a lot to talk about. A lot of passion to talk about here. So until next time, have a good night. Unplug yourself from some of the BS that is wasting your time in life. And just spend some time enjoying what you really enjoy. Perfect.
0: That wasn't terrible. That was pathetic. Boo. <laughs>